Good morning, church. You can go ahead and open your Bibles up this morning to Exodus chapter 20 once again. And we'll be looking together at verse 7 this morning. And I'll go ahead and read the text for us and we can jump right in. Moses writes, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Now I want to start our time off together this morning by way of personal anecdote. You see, when I was growing up, I grew up in a sports-loving family. Every year, my, my brother and I, were we were always playing some kind of sport, whether it be football, basketball, or baseball. And this was pretty much the case with us all the way from what was called Midget League or Pee Wee, all the way up through the senior leagues and on into high school. And when I was in high school, I learned something, and that was this, that when you belong to a team and you bear the name of that team, your school, on your chest, you represent more than just you, right? You, you represent your teammates, you represent your coach, you represent your school, you, you represent your town, you represent your county, and, and if you make it to state, you even have the opportunity to represent your state. And if any of you here this morning grew up playing sports as well, you know exactly what I mean by that. But I say that to say this, the same is also true, beloved, when we join God's team. Amen? And here's why. Because when you end up on God's team, not only do we bear our name, but we also bear His as well. For at the moment of regeneration, we learn in the scriptures that God puts his name upon us and he claims us as his own. And because of that, we no longer represent ourselves. And so with that in mind this morning, we'll be looking at this in greater detail in the third commandment, which is, you shall not bear the Lord's name in vain. Now, as we've done over the past few weeks, we must begin by setting up the historical context of this commandment. Almost all of you at this point, I believe, are familiar with the Exodus story, but if you're tuning in, and if you're not, I'll recap for us. Israel, because of their connection to Joseph, ended up in Egypt at the end of Genesis. Right? They become slaves there for 430 years after there was a Pharaoh arose who did not know Joseph. They were forced to build the cities of Pithom, Pi-Ramses, and Heliopolis. God redeemed Israel out of their bondage and their slavery. He executed judgment on Egypt and the gods that they worshipped. He brings them through the Red Sea. He destroyed Pharaoh and the Egyptian armies. He fed them with manna and quail in the wilderness. He provided for them water. And then he brought them to Mount Sinai and gave to them the law, which are his ways for loving him and neighbors. Now, one of the main things that happens in the Exodus narrative, which is oftentimes overlooked, is this. During the Exodus event, God also did something else alongside of redeeming Israel. We learn that he also put his name upon them. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, which is the preceding chapter of where we're at this morning, Yahweh calls Israel his treasured possession among all of the nations and the peoples of the earth. In other words, Yahweh has put his name on the people of Israel. 
And to illustrate this, we do this as parents, right? For those of you with kids who have sent them to school, what is it that you typically do with their backpack? You put their names on them because it's their possession, right? And likewise, Yahweh, we learn, has put his name upon the people of Israel. Now, Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 27 makes this even more explicit. There we see Aaron, the brother of Moses, pronounce a blessing and benediction over the people of Israel. And he says it this way. And God steps in here at the end and gives a line as well. He says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And here's where the the Lord steps in and says this. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Now, when Yahweh gives the command to not take his name in vain, this is the historical context. And so what does it mean then for Israel to not take the name which they have upon them in vain? Well, beloved, it's much more than just a speech command. Most commentaries you'll find focus on not using Yahweh's name as a curse word or by blaspheming his name, and that's certainly true. We should not do that. That would break this command. However, there's more to it than just avoiding certain types of speech. It's mainly about representing the name of our Lord well. Carmen Imes says it this way. She says, Profaning the name of Yahweh, failing to set it apart as holy, is not just a matter of improper speech. Israel could profane the name through child sacrifices to Moloch, Leviticus 18.21 and Leviticus 20 and 3. They could do it through false swearing, Leviticus 19 and 12. They could do it through participation in pagan funerary rites, Leviticus 21, 5 through 6. They could do it through improper handling of temple gifts, Leviticus 22 and 2. Or they could do it by cursing Yahweh, Leviticus 24 and 11. Leviticus 22, 31 through 32 links profaning the name with breaking any command. And indeed, the Baptist Catechism catches on to this as well. It says in questions 59 through 60, the third commandment requires the holy and reverent use of God's names, titles, attributes, words, and works. The third commandment forbids all profaning and abusing of anything whereby God makes himself known. So I hope you see this morning, beloved, that the third commandment is about much more than just speech. It's not less than that, but it's certainly more than that. It's about representing and bearing the name of our God well to the world. Now, not only has God put his name upon the nation of Israel, brothers and sisters, but we also learn in the scripture that he has also put it upon us as well. Did you know that? John the Revelator ends the book of Revelation 
with a scene of the people of God together with the angels standing before the river of life where the tree of life will be. And I want you to listen to the description he gives in Revelation 22 verses 2 through 4. He says, The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Did you catch that? So with that in mind this morning, I want to ask you, are you bearing the name of God well in the places that He has you? If someone were to look at you and to see your your actions and your deeds, would they know that you represent Yahweh? If someone were to hear your speech and the words from your mouth, would they know that you represent Yahweh? See, unfortunately, this is a commandment that has been nearly entirely lost in our culture today. And sadly, this is true even in the church Over the past few weeks, as the social justice movement has continued to gain traction, I have quite literally seen Christian after Christian conceding to the liberal spirit of the age, partnering together with ungodly groups like Black Lives Matter, who openly blaspheme the name of Yahweh and has created an order of things such as family, gender, sexuality, and etc., I've seen followers of Yahweh curse one another for disagreeing with one another on these types of issues, thus bringing reproach upon his name. I've seen followers of Yahweh bowing the knee to things other than him. Right? I've seen followers of Yahweh applauding the destruction of our society. Right? These are all fundamental violations of not only the first and the second commandments, beloved, which state that we should have no other gods other than Yahweh and that we should bow down to none other than Him, but they're also a violation of the third commandment as well. For in conceding to the spirit of the age, we speak falsely about Yahweh, His word, and His works. But I've also seen it in other ways as well, beloved far less insidious ways. I've also seen it when we worship God with our lips but not with our hearts. I've seen it when we profess His name but do not live answerably to it. I've seen it when we speak slightly and irrelevantly and idly of His name, not giving it the respect, the honor, and the holiness the way that it deserves. This is the story of us all if we're willing to be honest. And the problem with this is that God says that he will not hold those who violate this command guiltless. So where is it this morning that we should look to for cleansing, for not bearing Yahweh's name well? And where is it that we should look to for help in doing so? Beloved, once again, we must look unto Jesus. Amen? We must look unto Jesus. You see, Jesus was very concerned about bearing the name of the Father well. You see, that's why we see him in the Lord's Prayer, praying to the Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
You see, Jesus came and he hallowed the name of the Father, beloved. And he succeeded in bearing the name well where we have all fallen. And at the cross, Jesus bore the wrath we deserved for not bearing God's name rightly. And he promises help, reconciliation, restoration, and cleansing to all of his elect who would come to him trusting in his atoning death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sin. And not only do we find these things here, beloved, but in Jesus we also find what it looks like to love God perfectly by bearing his name well. In Jesus we also find a model to follow. You see, Jesus perfectly fulfilled this command throughout the entirety of his life. We've already seen it when he stood on the Mount of Temptation and he refused to blaspheme the name of the Father by giving in to Satan's cunning trickery. We've seen it as he cleansed the temple in Jerusalem because he refused to have his father's house blasphemed and turned into a den of robbers. But brothers and sisters, we see it most clearly at the cross. Amen. Because at the cross, Jesus declared in victory, it is finished. And he said that not only because he had made atonement for us, reconciling us back to the Father, but he says it also because he had kept all of God's law, bearing his name perfectly in our place. Beloved, in conclusion, it is my prayer for us in this season that we would be a people who take bearing the name of our God well, both in our words and in our deeds that we would put away sin of all kind, mortifying it and putting it to death, and that we would be a people who commit ourselves to calling, to the calling that God has for us, which is making disciples of all nations, baptizing them as well into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that He has commanded us. Brothers and sisters, may we take up this calling and may we bear the name of Yahweh well. Let's pray.